Welcome to episode 9 of Cinebabble, The Rise of Clint and Ken. I am Ken. I'm Clint. Oh, there you rising. go. Rising. <laughs> Be with me, Clint. Be with me. Be with me. I'm this here. This is actually our uh, Star Wars Holiday Spectacular. Uh, we have finished watching Star Wars Episode 9. We'll get to that in a little bit. Uh, clearly, that's what all of the internet webs are talking about. Uh, some we're add to that noise. Some not. We are. We are. <laughs> we're gonna. We're gonna babble right into that. Mm-hmm. Mm, yeah. Sure are. <laughs> <laughs> are you ready for Christmas, Clint? I'm getting there. Yeah. Slowly. Yeah. How was yeah. Hanukkah for you? Was it good? Your Jewish heritage. I'm not Jewish. <laughs> Nothing wrong with that. But I did not celebrate Hanukkah okay. this year. Well, my menorah is in. Um, our Hanukkah was very festive. Was it? Mm-hmm. Hmm. It was a good time at the Brown household. Yeah? Yeah. It was, you know. What night was that? <laughs> eight, I was going to say it was a typical Friday, but then, like, wait, there's there's eight, and then uh, I don't yeah. know when it started, so. All right. Well, to Some all of our Jewish right listeners, happy Hanukkah. Yeah. Sorry. Hope yeah. we didn't offend you. <laughs> Your time is done. Now it's Christmas. Now it's now You it's got eight time. nights. <laughs> Let's have ours. Yeah. So you've been off work, right? Uh, yeah, today's my first day off. That I get two amazing. weeks. Yeah. I only get a week, but I'll take it. Yeah. All right, Clint. Well, what you've been watching what about? After all that fine small talk about Hanukkah. All that wonderfully <laughs> non-awkward Hanukkah small no, talk. No, not to catch me off guard. Just like a true holiday conversation, we go for authenticity. Yeah, here. just like you're going to sit around know. with your relatives. Later, we're going to talk about politics and go into really, really terrible silences. <laughs> stare at each other uncomfortably. I'm going to break down all my conspiracy theories <laughs> about the second tower. Excellent. Excellent. Um, sorry, my voice sounds hoarse. Does it? Yeah, I think I'm a bit of cold. Oh, I'm sorry. Uh, it's okay. Maybe you caught it from me last episode. Maybe. Because mine is going away. Yeah. We are just sharing one mic, yeah. sitting beside each other, yeah. kind of pass back and forth. Yeah. Yeah, uncomfortably close. <laughs> <laughs> Can I have a little bit more room, please? Sure. Okay. Move your elbows. Uh, um, okay. So what me been watching about? <laughs> I got two things. Uh, I watched A Marriage Story oh, on Netflix. Oh, what was that? That's with Adam Driver and... Char- uh, Scarlett Johansson. Scarlett Johansson. And yeah, that kind of ties into what we're talking about today with Star Wars. Okay. Well, Scarlett wasn't there. But no. Adam Driver. Okay. Uh, he was in full Kylo Ren in this movie and everything. Really? No. Oh. Uh, it's really good. It's like, that is not the movie the, the trailer suggested. <laughs> no, it was very good. I really liked it. I think it's probably on my top list for the year. Um, really? Yeah. You've said that more than 10 times. So you're going to have. No, I haven't. A, you haven't? I'm like. Getting there. Okay. I'm getting there, but uh, I, I thought it was great. It's um, directed by Noah Baumbach, mm-hmm. who did um, Squid and the Whale. and I was just reading an article today about him and Greta Gerwig. They've been together for eight years. Oh, I knew they were together. I didn't yes. know it was that long. And this is the first time that a couple is going to potentially be nominated for Best Director. Wow. Uh, because people are expecting Marriage Story and expecting... What did little she Women? Do? Yes, Little yeah. Women. They're expecting both of those to get nominations. Wow. And so that was an interesting little... That's a fun household tension. Yeah. <laughs> well, they probably... Yeah. They now, be. was this movie as... Um, what's the word I'm looking for? As other Bombac, uh family dramas... Yeah, it's along those same lines, yeah. like a family going through a divorce and okay. how that... Uh, is it particularly bleak? Is it quirky? Is it... It's got... It's all of the above. I think okay. it's 
it's so well written and naturalistic and well shot. There would be sequences where I'd be so wrapped up in the dialogue and the performances, like Scarlett Johansson was fantastic, Adam mm-hmm. Driver was fantastic. And um, I would realize, oh, there was just like 10 minutes without a cut. And oh, wow. it is just and like the dialogue just is flowing and I, I can't even describe it. It's just so well done. And I'm like, wow, I can't believe like it just feels like you're really, I don't know, watching this um, scene unfold. And I, I thought it was great. Now, how long is it? And the reason I ask is, does it? I think it's an hour it, and a half. Oh, okay. Yeah. So that's, that's fairly short. Yeah. I wasn't sure if it was longer than that, if it started to really wear on you. Uh, no, when no. I, when I watch... Um, a movie about a relationship in crisis. If it if it goes on for too long, I start to just feel that heaviness. No, because um, it 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 um, will jump kind of back and forth between the two characters uh-huh. and their point of the view and how the uh-huh. situation of getting a divorce is affecting them and their how their son plays into it. Um, now, is it just that the, the focus switches, or is it full Rashomon where you're getting two versions of no, the same? No, no, it's just like what's happening okay. with this character while they're separated okay. and going through the divorce and um i they just did it really well i think it's his best film i and i love francis ha like mm-hmm. i love that film and um i've come around to squid and the whale like when i first saw that i it, maybe just because it was such a new kind of way of making a film mm-hmm. and the subject matter it felt i don't know just it, it has a very unique voice yeah too. it's it's a hard one to yeah kind of grab hold of and and enjoy in a traditional right and i i mean i was a lot younger when i mm-hmm. saw that i mean i was in my early 20s or something and so it's just at the time that subject matter wasn't really mm-hmm. interesting or i don't know it was just too in your face with the rea- reality of the situation mm-hmm. but now growing up and kind of having friends who've got divorces and you kind of um can look at it from that perspective, mm-hmm. but I, I thought this was great. I, th- I I was really surprised how much I loved it. So okay. I also watched um, a movie, a little movie on Hulu called The Sound of Silence. Ah, uh, that I what? just saw a, um, an ad for that. Yeah, I hadn't heard of it at all, and saw that um, Peter Skarsgård was mm-hmm. in it and Rashida Jones, and watched the trailer. And the trailer I thought was really great. It was had a nice. Uh, music to it. Know, What's the basic plot of it? Basic plot of it. It's, it's a really quirky plot, and I thought it was going to be kind of like um, like a Spike Jones kind of film, okay. or like um, what's his name? That did uh, Eternal Sunshine. Sunshine? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I had it on the tip of my tongue. I mean, Michelle Gondry. Well, no? The, the writer. Oh, gotcha. I'm thinking. I got you. Charlie um, Kaufman. Charlie Kaufman. Yeah. Yes. Um, it's about um, Peter Skarsgård plays this character who he tunes houses, so he p- provides a service where you go. He'll go into your house, like you're, you're kind of like, you feel not comfortable at your home. So he'll doesn't co- feel like home yet. It doesn't feel like home, okay. or you're there and it just feels off. You can't sleep. You're restless. Your relationship is um, suffering. So he'll come in and tune the house. Where he'll come in and go through all of your appliances, go through all the sounds that are coming in from um, outside because it takes place in New York, and he'll 
tune the pitches of what's coming in. Oh, you're not talking new age. You're talking. No, it's not new age. Like musical tuning. Musical like tuning. you would do with the piano. Yes. So he'll pick up in the key of what's coming, the outside noise, the mm-hmm. tune of your refrigerator, and how these things clash in, like, if they're combining to. Um, make a like a dissonant note and he has it like cataloged where if these certain notes cause this certain thing in your life so it'll cause depression or like your like i said your relationship will kind of be hindered by these notes that you aren't aware of but they're like kind of like sub notes have i just been lured in by fiction or is that an actual thing that I, sounds like it would have legitimate there is legitimate things and i've heard about that i've never even thought but of that his is they he's like trying to get a like a in a science journal this all this work that he's been doing published and they he's kind of on the fringe where they're not really like thinking that it's legitimate like science but it's about him and he's like really into this and he meets rashida jones who um is guess i think her friend like hires this guy to come into her house and to uh, do this tuning and it doesn't work. So it's about him. Like, is his work not real? Like, is it failing or is okay. there something else going on with her? And it's just about the relationship they okay. kind of form. Worth reviewing in the beginning of January? I don't. I should I, watch tonight? You can watch it. I don't know if it's worth talking about. Okay. It never g- goes beyond a certain point where, uh, okay. like, it had a lot of potential. Mm-hmm. And I liked the performances and stuff. But I just kept feeling like it was going to go to the next Step. It just stayed small. It just kind of stayed small, which I I like films like that, but mm-hmm. it just I feel like it was just missing something. Okay. And uh, worth watching, but I don't know if we necessarily have to review it. And it, I don't regret watching it, but okay. yeah, it was an interesting. I like the I think I like the premise um, more than what they actually did with it. Okay. So all right. Yeah, that's all I have right now. So what you watch about? What you watch about? What you about? What you watch? About? Watch, about? watch it. <laughs> uh, I started uh, The Witcher on Netflix. Oh, yeah. And it's a video game ap- adaptation, mm-hmm. um, which it's probably the best video game adaptation I've seen. Um, side note, it's also a, a, a video game adaptation. Yeah. It feels like a video game adaptation to where entire episodes are based around uh, one conf- uh, like moral choice yeah, yeah. where there's no uh, right or wrong answer. And that's The Witcher games do that a lot mm-hmm. to their credit. In the episode, though, it very much feels like here is our hero and he is going to the NPC and he is getting the quest. The two choices are laid out before him and he has to choose one. Uh-huh. And then you watch the consequences of that. Uh, it's It's got a little bit of that kind of feel. It feels strangely like Doctor Who huh. to me because it's episodic. Now it's very, very fantasy, um, which is interesting after eight seasons of Game of Thrones. This is the first kind of pure medieval fantasy, yeah. Uh, monsters and swords and magic and all of that that I've seen in a long time, and it it really feels it. Mm. And I can't tell if it sometimes feels a little hokey because uh, I'm coming off of Game of Thrones for so many seasons, right. or just because uh, high fantasy is not my favorite thing in the world. Yeah, I um I didn't mention it, but I watched the first half okay. of the first episode okay. of that, and fell asleep <laughs> and and it kind of felt uh like game of thrones light to me and yeah. i wasn't sure if it yeah. was worth continuing the cast is really good yeah uh, the cast is probably better than the show mm. uh, they're better than the writing and it's not that the writing's bad it just uh it feels like it's uh it's serviceable it feels like this is what 
now I've not read the books, but it, it just feels like the kind of fan service to book readers or to video game fans where you're more interested in kind of hitting the right notes with characters rather than doing something interesting with uh, them. Okay. And, and I'm probably more sensitive to that coming off of something like Watchmen. Right, right. Where it services fandom, but at the same time it just goes and it does all of these new and interesting things. That's not The Witcher. The Witcher is, is pure... Let's let's take the book, let's take the video game world, and let's present it in a way that's that's episodic that you might enjoy. Mm. Uh, it's certainly better than The Mandalorian. Uh, really, you uh, think it's better than Mandalorian? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I'm only uh, going from half an episode. So. Uh, well, and and it did take it it the first episode's rocky. Um, you get more a sense of what it's doing in future episodes. It's not to say that future episodes are that much better. But I do think that they're better than than The Mandalorian. They at least advance the plot forward. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it doesn't feel kind of stuck in limbo. And like I said, I'm only five episodes in. How many are there? Eight, nine, somewhere okay. in there. Uh, it's introducing three main characters. You have Henry Cavill's Witcher. Mm-hmm. Uh, then there is uh, a, a woman with a deformity that's learning to be a mage named Yennefer. Uh, and then there's a younger princess character, and you they're they're very separate plot lines, but you can feel them headed towards each other. Hmm. And so I'll be interested if it really gains steam as those storylines come together. I'll probably keep watching it if they have a second season. But if they come together and it just feels as one note as everything has so far, or video game as everything has so far, yeah, I'll I'll probably let it go. Hmm. I don't know. We'll see. Uh, it's not bad. Right. It's, it just hasn't really grabbed me yet. Yeah. Um, like I said, performances performances are really good uh, and, and kind of keep me going along. The effects are hit or miss. Um, but, you know, hey, mm. whichever. Then uh, I went on a Tarantino kick. I watched uh, QT8, which is the documentary. I believe it's on Amazon right now. It's just about his first eight films. Oh, okay. Really good documentary. Huh. Now, it feels much more like a, a special feature Right. And a documentary because it's it's really just kind of a love letter to Quentin Tarantino films. But it has a lot of good interviews. It has a, a lot of good uh, narrative beats in the course of the documentary. It has a really interesting thing. So when it interviews somebody, it'll put icons up at the bottom of the screen that uh, are all eight of, of his films up to that point. It doesn't include Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. All of the icons are in black and white, except for if that actor or that producer or cinematographer has worked on multiple films, it will colorize those icons. Huh. So very quickly, you can identify, oh, this person's like worked with him on six movies. This person's worked with him on four movies. And it was just slight touches like that, and that wasn't the only one that I really enjoyed. Huh. It gets a little sidelined at one point because you can tell they were making this documentary when all the Harvey Weinstein kind of broke. Oh, okay, yeah. All of that news and craziness and yeah. all the stuff where that was uh, – there was some bits of Quentin Tarantino being roped into that, but he was distancing himself from it. It suddenly veers into that territory, huh. uh, which is uh, interesting at the same time uncomfortable right uh, michael madsen is one of the people being interviewed and he has a lot to say about it and a lot of really weird stories about harvey weinstein um they never quite say what they want to say maybe they don't have anything to say it's just one of those well we can't ignore it right so they put it in there but it was definitely worth watching but that sent me on this kick of watching tarantino films i have not enjoyed oh <laughs> uh, fully uh-huh and so i watched jackie brown yeah which i 
I still, I try to connect to. I've I, never seen that one. Really? No. Ever? Mm -mm. You should try it and tell me if I'm wrong. Because every two or three years, I make a pilgrimage to, to Jackie Brown mm -hmm. thinking this is the time. <laughs> because people say it's it's his best. Really? Uh, they really oh. consider it, uh, quite a few people consider it his best work. I just, it's good. Mm. I, it just, it never resonates with me. It's great performances, great writing, never resonates. Uh, so I watched Jackie Brown, same feeling as before. I finished up the extended version of Hateful Eight that's oh, on okay. Netflix. Yeah. Two thoughts. One, a movie like that works much better as episodes. Right. Yeah. Uh, and that made me think of our Irishman conversation. Right. Because watching it in four episodes, uh, it worked much, much better. Still didn't like the same things I didn't like before. Uh, some of the flashbacks, some of the uh, the explanations, Samuel Jackson's story about um, what's his face's son uh, mm. who he had killed things like that feel out of place and feel cutesy um, but overall I thought it worked much better than it did when I went to see it in the theater mm. and then finally I watched Once Upon a Time in Hollywood again oh yeah uh, now this is the one that actually upgraded for me oh okay I enjoyed it quite a bit more yeah uh, the second time I watched it and I, I liked it the first time second time uh, maybe it was because I knew what to expect mm -hmm. and I knew what I didn't like about it but I had a much much better time with it um, Leonardo DiCaprio and Brad Pitt are still definitely the scene stealers right. and make it worth watching and there's still little things that that I'm not a fan of the Al Pacino character at the beginning huh. the sudden narration towards the end which Hateful Eight does too Yeah, um, just little touches like that it feels um, a bit sloppy but the Blu-ray, the 4K, and the regular Blu-ray had like 20, 30 minutes of deleted scenes. Oh, really? That was really interesting, hmm. including one where there's a little bit more between Charlie Manson and Brad Pitt's character, uh, where they have a bit of an encounter. Okay. And so it's it was worth that watching wasn't, again. It wasn't cut back in. It was just deleted. No, it's oh. separate. It, it's not a director's cut. It's oh, okay. not something where he has other things in there. Now, there's been talk of that. Okay. So I assume that's still going to materialize one day, but that one's more than 20 minutes. Mm. I would expect that one to pop up on Netflix, Hateful Eight style. Right. Where it comes in episodes and they have a lot more material. I think the Hateful Eight extended version is an hour longer. Oh, really? I say. Mm -hmm. Wow. Yeah. It was, but that felt long to begin with. It already felt long, but that's where four hour long episodes or 50 minute episodes or whatever they were, you're, you're only getting a small amount of extended scenes in each. Huh. And I was surprised because for such, um, evenly cut episodes lengthwise, it worked. It, they, they ended in very natural places. Hmm. Uh, and they even kind of um, did some title cards and did kind of a episode one, episode two, episode three, and episode four that worked well for it. Mm -hmm. I don't know if I would recommend like plowing back through it just to see how it works. Right. Uh, but I was, in, you know, being an insomniac and why not? <laughs> uh, but Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, if you get a chance to watch that again. I plan to. I think I want to watch it with Jenny because she, okay. she really likes Quentin Tarantino movies. Mm -hmm. So I think she okay. would find a lot of enjoyment in it. Um, I didn't particularly have a problem with Hateful Eight when I saw it in the theater. I knew it wasn't one of my favorites of his. And I saw it on um, the 70 millimeter showing, mm -hmm. so that added some kind of Ooh, scope yeah. to it. Um, but I might have to go through that again, see and how I, I feel about it now. And the same thing happened in the episodic format. It, it's the part where it goes back and shows 
where the villains kind of come to the haberdashery and and kill everybody that's there and take things over. It just it feels overly long. Okay. It doesn't add a whole lot that you couldn't get from you know the rest of the story proper and it mm. it just feels like it's really driving home what had happened instead of letting you suss it out. Mm. Um that still pulls some of the wind out of the sails of the movie. Um, and even in the theatrical release, I felt like that's the part where it was long. And if he had trimmed that, it would have been a much leaner, mm. uh, more interesting whodunit. Yeah. Um, that and I liked the scenes of them just sitting and talking. I don't need to see when they're telling a story, what they're telling the story about. So when Samuel L. Jackson's telling the story about um, Dern's son, mm. um, Bruce Dern, the character he plays, the general, his son. Uh, I didn't need to see that. I, it, w- it would have been much, much more interesting just to watch their faces react to Samuel L. Jackson telling the story and Bruce Dern listening to the story. Right. Um, but other than that, uh, I don't know. It worked this time around a little better for me. Well, that's good. Yeah. But that was that was basically all I'm watching about. Mm. So <laughs> <laughs> wasn't a whole lot of exciting things uh, to watch. Oh. I think everything came out. And now I'm just waiting for... 1917 and Jojo Rabbit and Lighthouse yeah. and I need things to Did come. you see Lighthouses on Amazon? What? Is it? But it's you got to buy it $14. <sighs> yeah. Hmm. I thought about it, but I was like I I'm I really am not into buying digital I'm not versions. Either. I got to think about that one yeah. because if you and I both sat down to watch it, yeah. We would spend 20 bucks to go see it at the theater, but yeah. if I can buy it for 14, That's a moral conundrum. I know. I have to piece that one out in my brain. I can't remember when that one comes out, like in. It. I don't even think it. I don't even think it has a a release date. It might. I'll check. Yeah. Um, I think it might. I think it's January sometime. Okay. Well, that may not be worth. Yeah. Because if it's as good as everybody says, I'm going to end up buying it anyway. Right. Yeah. Buy it twice. Yeah. Okay. All right. Did you watch The Mandalorian? I did, yeah. Okay. Yeah. So did you watch episode six and seven? I did, yeah. Okay. Uh-huh. So you ready to talk about that? Sure. Do you want to start or do you want me to start? Um, let's have you start because I feel like I've been starting normally. <laughs> Mandalorian. Episode six. Yeah. Uh, which is uh, Mando joining up with a crew of people, ditching Baby Yoda, and going on a heist mission, uh, breaking into a prison ship. Uh, was surprisingly decent for me. It was not terrible. Up until that episode, I was really considering the show terrible. I uh, couldn't understand what other people like. This is the first one. I still didn't think it was that good, but it was a lot better than what had come before it. And it it, it gave me a brief like, oh, I, this is the kind of thing other people must be seeing. Uh-huh. Uh, but then I swear, as soon as that stupid Yoda puppet came back in, <laughs> it ruined what little about that episode I loved. And he's sneaking around a ship and I'm like, oh, he's going to slit this guy's throat or he's going to do something weird and force movie. And then, right. I kept waiting for that. Or, too. or it's going to be revealed that he's just been acting like a baby, but he's actually far more intelligent than that. Uh, <laughs> like something. Yeah. Give me something. Nothing. Mm. Apparently he was just looking for a better place to hide. A little rascal. <laughs> <laughs> so even though the episode itself, I thought was decent uh, by the end of it, I was like, nope, we're back. Yeah. Uh, awesome. Uh, and then episode seven, uh, just 
I don't. This show. Yeah. Episode seven brings a bunch of characters together that we met before and introduces Space Gus, Gus Fring, and none of it works. I didn't like any of it. I didn't feel anything when Nick Nolte gets shot in the back, uh, which was the stupidest scene because uh, Mando is just a really, really terrible bounty hunter. Yeah, yeah. I, that's that's my conclusion. He gets everybody killed. He's not very good at his job. And he does things like scream over a radio to somebody in a way that speeder bikes, uh, you know, tapping in to his signal can. Oh, man, there's somebody going back for the ship. We better go check that out and shoot that guy dead. Dummy. <laughs> so, Dummy. Yeah. Um, and if you can explain to me how if you have 20 or 30 armed guards firing into a building and everybody except your heroes die, but your heroes are fine. I would love to hear that explanation. That's my uh, episode six and episode seven Mandalorian minute. I still hate this show. I'm so glad that it only has one episode left. Yeah, I um, you had told me your opinion of um, six episode six beforehand, so I kind of was looking out to see how I felt about mm-hmm. it. I do agree that it was better. Um, in some ways, it had kind of a coherent through line to it, <laughs> which, <laughs> I was, was a new... <laughs> which I was surprised by, but I totally agree with the Baby Yoda thing. I just kept waiting for him to force choke somebody or slam him against the wall or do something, but just, no, just hide. Um, Especially since in episode seven, he does force choke somebody. Mm-hmm. Man, have that little guy kill... Uh, the robot, just have him like crush his little robot head yeah, with yeah. the force and then like, oh, whoa. Well, especially after, what was that, episode two where he does the rhino, yeah. he like lifts yeah. it off the ground yeah. and then takes a nap for four days. Um, you Then you're expecting it through yeah. the rest of the thing, but then he just is a baby. Yeah. Um, uh, episode seven, I still thought it was a little better mm-hmm. um, because it was... I don't know, also had a kind of a clear agenda to what was happening yeah. so I could follow. But I was so annoyed with like a, the um, detour he takes to go and pick up Nick Nolte's character, little the pig man, whatever he is. <laughs> the Ugnot. The Ugnot, little pig man. Um, just like, oh yeah, like, because like time and space mean nothing in the show. You can nothing. just jump wherever you want. And everything up until this episode, there are just people constantly tracking him down with red blinky yeah. light box. But while he needs to go and collect friends and get somewhere, nobody can find him. And, yeah. Ugh. And it's like in the whole, well, one thing, yeah, it was a bad episode because yeah, he's lured back to, I don't remember the name of the planet he was on. And it's like, clearly they're setting you up for yeah. something here. And you're yeah. falling for it. Yeah. Uh, he's walking in front of them. Like, yeah. Yeah. Like the whole time he's like twirling his bad evil man mustache. Yeah. And it's just, I don't know. I just don't get the show. I and, don't either. And I am. Carl, Carl, poor Carl Weathers was particularly awful. Too. Yeah. Um, even when he's reading, like when he's doing the little message, mm-hmm. his character sending it to the Mandalorian. Yeah. It's, it's bad. It doesn't even sound like the character that was in two episodes before that it sounds like right. like even the way he's phrasing things and uh he doesn't use you know he says you will instead of you'll or things like that it was just very <laughs> bizarre to me yeah i don't know i don't know yeah i'm just i'm with you i'm glad it's only 
one more episode. The show is laying in its coffin more. and rasping its breath. Yeah. For me. I'm sure they're going to make like 10 seasons of this show. I'm sure too. that unless something dramatically improves, I am done with it after yeah, season Yeah, I'm one. getting rid unless of Unless I read like, oh, this is wildly better. Yeah, I mean, I'm getting I'll... rid of um, Disney Plus. Disney Plus after it's done. I'm not. There's nothing else on there I want to watch unless I want to watch through all the old Star Wars movies or yeah. any of the Marvel stuff. But it's like you have all those. I have yeah. most of them. Steal them from me. Yeah. Yeah. If I go on Amazon and rent it rather than spend $7 a month. I don't know. Disappointed by that show. I'm disappointed by all of Disney+. Plus. Maybe Marvel yeah. shows will save it for me, but... Maybe Jeff Goldblum will bring it back around. <laughs> have you watched that show? <laughs> no, I haven't. It's not going to save anything. Uh, it's... Uh, is it better than Mandalorian? Yeah. <laughs> it wouldn't take much. Although, I'll tell you... It's just being uh, Jeff if Goldblum. If they had just taken Jeff Goldblum and put him under the helmet, it could be that exact same show. Oh, my gosh. Exact same writing. Yeah. Genius. And it's just be, him doing his mannerisms, the yep. way he speaks. I yep. would be all in on that. Because then he every do time anything. he just gets shot, and he's like, oh. <laughs> yeah. oh, 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 oh. Whole show would work. Yeah. Uh, and that's that's an invitation to the internet. Somebody please go. Yes. Just put job. his voice under <laughs> scoring. I can't believe no one's done that with multiple voices yet. Yeah, you could put anyone Anybody's voice. He never takes his helmet off. He that's what I'm going to do with my Christmas break. Oh. That's amazing. <laughs> uh, yeah. Yep. Then that show, then it would make total sense. Yeah. Uh, oh, this it's a comedy. Gilbert Godfrey. A bumbling, yep. <laughs> bumbling bounty hunter. This all makes sense now. Oh, man. Right. I wish I could, like, make more of a coherent argument for why. It just, like, it puts me in this state of frustration where I'm just... I, uh, just yeah, I was with a friend me. last week, and... Like so many people before him, he he brought up The Mandalorian, assuming I loved it. And he said, uh, you know, I, I've just, I've, I've got something and it might make you mad at me. <laughs> and I thought, you know, uh, he knew I hated it already. So I'm like, oh, he he loves The Mandalorian. He was like, I, I, I really don't like The Mandalorian. I'm like, oh, thank goodness. <laughs> it's like these little pockets of people finding each other. Yeah, don't yeah. like The Mandalorian. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> Unite. Yeah. yeah, it's a small club. We meet in the back of a bowling alley. <laughs> in secret. <laughs> Closed door. Yep. yep. Need the secret password. One day we'll be ready for the world, but right now we're still in hiding. <laughs> like little Yoda. <laughs> baby Yoda. Oh, baby Yoda. Mm. He's just, cute. He's so cute. Oh, he's got big eyes that doesn't just... He, yeah. He's not uh. like imagine this. Okay, so imagine the, the the cutest puppy or cat or kitten you've ever seen in your life. Now imagine it can barely move its limbs. <laughs> Is that still cute? No. You're like, what's wrong with you that need to dog? Take it to the vet. Seriously, <laughs> seriously, it's got like rheumatoid arthritis. Uh -huh. You need to help that puppy. It's little Benjamin Buttons. <laughs> That's not cute. What when, if they did find out it was it's real Yoda and just he's aging in reverse? <laughs> that would be amazing. I I'm just saying if something has that much difficulty moving, it's not cute anymore. It's sad and yeah. needs medical attention. And oof. Yeah. Oh, Star Wars. <laughs> yes. Let's dive right into episode nine. First, uh -huh. a little history. I want to know, Clint, uh, your history with the original trilogy. 
your history with the prequels, mm-hmm. uh, and then uh, your your kind of brief backstory with the new movies, and then we'll get to episode nine. Okay. Paint me your Star Wars picture. Uh, it's probably pretty similar to most people. I mean, it's basically been in my life since I was a kid, just growing up watching the um, original ones on VHS and loving those. Um, and then when the prequels came out, I went to those seeing like I don't know how old was I like eighth, eighth grade ninth 99. grade yeah were you that young in ninety nine was it ninety nine when that came out sure ninety seven ninety nine I think I was in eighth or ninth grade okay somewhere in there and that's I haven't hadn't formed a movie opinion at that point so I went and I was excited for him I was into it um. So, yeah, I saw all those in the theater, probably opening night. Now, do you remember the original movies coming back out in the theater in the late 90s? Did you go see those, I, too? I didn't know. Okay. I mean, I was still at the point where I was, like, going when my parents took yeah. me to the theater. Um, I wish I had seen them. I think I remember that happening, but I, I didn't yeah. make an effort to go see them. It was right them. before Episode 1 came out. Okay. It was um, a couple of years. Yeah. And then, yeah, I've gone through, rewatched those a few times and mm-hmm. have come to learn how awful they kind of are. <laughs> there's pockets of fun in them. Yeah, there's, there's pockets of, of good yeah. in there uh, between all the CGI. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. Um, and then the new ones, I, I remember... I saw the first one, The Force Awakens, mm-hmm. and I was into it. I I really enjoyed it. And no, like even realizing how it's just a new hope. Mm-hmm. And I know I was at the time, I was like completely fine forgiving that fact. And I, I enjoyed it. I liked the new characters like Ray. I liked Finn and Poe and um, BB-8 and... All it had to give me. Um, and then with The Last Jedi, I was not on board with that film. I There was, again, almost not as bad as the prequels. There was pockets of good that I really enjoyed. Um, but there's the whole Casino Planet section <laughs> that I, yeah. I hate that section. Every time, side note, every time I watch The Last Jedi now, because I really, I think I like it better than you do. I enjoy it quite a lot. I skip that entire casino yeah. planet. I just skip right past it. I just don't care. Um. So, yeah, I, and I rewatched those two before. Mm-hmm. Um, actually, I rewatched um, The Force Awakens today mm-hmm. just to kind of see how I felt about it. I still enjoy that one. Mm-hmm. Um I think the New Hope aspect of it bothers me more now. Really? Um, with where the rest of it's gone. Mm-hmm. But it, out of the three, that's my favorite one. And now with the new one, <laughs> I, my kind of, before we really jump into mm-hmm. it, my initial response was while watching it, I realized I was having a good time. Mm-hmm. And it's one of those things where I, I'm just taking it in as it's coming to me and realize I'm having fun. And then as soon as I left, it all kind of crashed down on me. And I 
Like House of Cards style? Yeah, where I it all started clicking into place what happened, and I realized I don't think that was a good film, okay. and I don't think I like that film. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I remember New Hope uh, would come on TV every Christmas mm-hmm. when I was a little kid, and I would drag all my Star Wars figures and my ships down in front of the TV, and I would set them all up, and the movie would start. And I would play along with the movie, mm-hmm. uh, and that was that was later. I vaguely remember Empire Strikes Back from childhood. Return of the Jedi, though, I got to see in the theater, and I remember I saw it in the theater for about thirty-five minutes until the rancor came on, oh. <laughs> and then I saw it from the lobby because I lost my mind. Uh-huh. That was my theatrical Return of the Jedi experience. But in the years after that. Uh, Return of the Jedi was my absolute favorite. And looking at it now, it makes sense. That is the movie I think a a little kid would like the most of the original three. Uh, And then over time, I just came to really appreciate Empire Strikes Back first uh, as a a really good film. Right. And then I finally appreciated New Hope. New Hope, I was kind of the last two. And I think that's because in my little kid brain, the least amount of things happen in that. Mm-hmm. It has the least flash, especially when you compare it to Empire and Jedi. So those were always the things that my brain gravitated towards. Uh, now, uh, New Hope and Empire are really up there for me. And Jedi, I still love, but it's much more of a nostalgic kind of thing. Uh, the prequels, I was much older than you when they came out. And I remember episode one. And there's pockets of things in there that were great. Mm-hmm. I love the Darth Maul stuff with Obi-Wan and Qui-Gon. Right. And anything lightsaber, I was just like, yeah. But I remember when the credits rolled on that movie, I felt nothing. And I remember thinking, I missed something. Uh huh. And so I went back the next day and watched it again. <laughs> and the credits rolled and I was like, I missed something. Yeah, yeah. And so I watched it probably another two or three times in the theater because uh, it was college and what else did I have to do? Right. <laughs> and I, I just came away from it like, I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't think Star Wars was good. What, <laughs> what just happened? <laughs> it was, what happened? So uh, then later Attack of the Clones came out and I went in with tempered expectations. And the first part of Attack of the Clones, I'm like, oh, here we go again. This, mm-hmm. is, this is not good. Uh, and for some reason by the end of it, and I think it was the theater experience. I think I the saw audience, that one with you. Yes. The, yeah. the audience going nuts when Yoda started fighting yeah, Dooku. Right. I got caught up in it. And Me I was too. Just like, this is a great Star Wars movie. <laughs> it is not. No, no. Attack of the Clones is probably, I think it's worse than Phantom Menace. Really? I, I really think it's the worst Star Wars movie ever made. <laughs> uh, I hold to that. Every time I go back and watch it, uh, man, uh, the diner and Dexter, Jexter, whatever his name is. And, right. Uh, oof, that movie is rough. Mm. Uh, even when you get to the stuff at the end that, that caught my imagination with that crowd, nope, <laughs> that's a bad movie. Yeah, looking back on that, that's kind of cringy to yeah. just imagine little Yoda just bouncing yeah. off the walls. It's, yeah. Oh, so bad. I remember being caught up. I remember I, that yeah, scene. I was excited. I remember yeah. going to see it a couple of times and being excited each time. Uh, and just ignoring how boring the first hour and a half was because it yeah. got fun. Episode three was much better. I enjoyed episode three a lot more. Uh, there was still a lot of problematic things, General Grievous and, and some other things. But, um, man, see the formation of Vader, uh, some crazy lightsaber fights over uh, lava planets. And 
you know, irritated me that he did his Frankenstein walk as Vader and that Padme <laughs> dies of a broken heart, whatever that means. Uh, That's but, medically proven to happen. <laughs> when somebody's like 98 and they lose their spouse. <laughs> she was an old soul. <laughs> so the prequels did not go down well for me. It's kind of mm-hmm. like when you swallow a pill and just you gets little, kind yeah. of hot right there. Mm-hmm. Ugh. Uh, so then we come to the new movies. Right. Uh, I went in kind of excited because it was J.J. Abrams. I went nuts for The Force Awakens. Yeah. I still love The Force Awakens. I actually have a hard time seeing the New Hope parallels. Really? Um, I really do. Oh, okay. Um, for me, it's much more Return of the Jedi. Um, and so if everybody was was kind of upset about how much like Return of the Jedi it was, I, I could understand that because I can sit there and rattle off like, here's why it's Return of the Jedi. Um, but the New Hope thing never bothered me. And I went back and watched it right before episode nine. And the thing that stuck out to me, it was a very economic film. It moves, a lot happens, but nothing is wasted. It does a lot in a very short span of time. And, and I enjoyed it quite a bit. Last Jedi, man, you get rid of that casino planet. And I love that movie. I'm fine with Dark Luke. I am fine with uh, everything except for running out of fuel. That doesn't work very well I in the Star Wars universe. That. Yeah. 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 I don't like I think that the first half of that movie you could get rid of. Yeah. I don't I don't know. You continue. <laughs> <laughs> so we come to episode nine. Episode nine, I was very excited about. I was practically bouncing in my I could seat. Tell. Literally bouncing yeah. in my seat. You were gonna have me uh wipe your tears. Yeah. 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 And uh so so the the movie unfolded. And it's a lot of movie. Mm, yeah. It is not just because it's two and a half hours long. It probably has more movie packed into that two and a half hours than any two and a half hours has ever movied before. <laughs> it was. Yeah. It was a lot. Yeah. And I had a really fun time with it. I'm laughing. I'm enjoying it. Uh, it's got all of the the stuff that if I were sitting back in front of my TV with action figures, it's everything I would wanted it to be as right. a child. Um, and then the credits rolled, and I realized I had gone the entire movie, and other than childhood joy and nostalgia or that sense of being a kid again, I felt nothing. Mm-hmm. And that really confused me. Uh, now, I got the chance to go see it a second time. The next day, I was taking my son back to see it. Right. The second time was completely different. I had a Prometheus experience. Really? I did. Uh not only did I feel something, I felt way too much. <laughs> I The back half of that movie was spent in like different levels of tears for me. Hmm. I have no idea why. I don't know why. The, the second time, it wasn't that it wasn't packed. It just, it the pacing didn't bother me. Uh, I was ahead of it. I didn't feel behind on everything. There were quite a few things I thought were plot holes that on the second time through, I was like, oh, no, there's a shot that explains that. Or there's a line that explains that, things like that. Um, but overall, first time, I enjoyed it, but just kind of the same as you. I was just kind of like, I don't know that that was a good movie. And second time, I was just like, I love that. Still don't think it's a great movie, but I had some weird emotional journey with it, mm. and, and I was a happy guy. That's that's kind of my general. Yeah. So specifically for you... <laughs> Uh, where did it not connect? Like, what were the elements that didn't connect? I, I have a very cynical take on the film, <laughs> where I think it all comes down to corporate greed. <laughs> oh wow! 
Do tell. I I think the movie was, for one, completely made out of fear. <laughs> Where made out of fear? fear. <laughs> yes. <laughs> fear leads to the dark side. I know. Oh, and they're is... not listening to their own story here. Um, okay. J.J. Abrams didn't want to make this film. And I think it's very apparent in while watching it. Okay. I feel like it's obvious they didn't really have a plan for it. You mean from the beginning yes. with episode seven? Yeah. 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 And that really bothered me. It, it feels like um, Return of the Jedi. Is that the, that the third one? Mm-hmm. The original? Mm-hmm. I, I, it, it's the same plot. Yeah. And that's where it really, when I was saying about the New Hope bothering mm-hmm. me more, and now having all three of them, and they're just complete clones of the original. I just, I real, I'm still just stuck on this. I really wish it diverged and it told yeah. a new story. And I just don't see the point, like of why they were made, really. And one of my criticisms, and and I think it'll echo that, is that this movie, Episode Nine, feels like J.J. Abrams' Episode Eight draft. Plus his episode nine yeah. draft crammed into You could two. get rid of the second film. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, because right up to where Kylo's giving her that offer again to join him and she jumps off on the ship uh, and it kind of takes off. Uh, that was very Empire. Mm-hmm. And then it moves into a second part of the film that, like you're saying, it was very Jedi. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I, I can definitely see that. And I think that's where it got crowded. It felt like... He had respect for the Last Jedi, but not enough respect where I don't even think he, he was ready it. to move on from it. He got rid of some, like he completely nixed the whole idea of um, anybody can be a Jedi. Yeah. It goes now back to again that it's like only these certain families have these powers, yeah. and that's it's not going to go beyond that. And any of those elements, if you pull it out, it's a cleaner film. It's it's a better film. Let's say she's not uh, a Palpatine. Yeah. A Palpatine. And she is just nobody. Well, that takes out like 10 minutes of extraneous plot and it sells a, a clearer message that still leads in the same direction with her arc. It's all about your your heritage doesn't define you. You define you. Mm-hmm. doesn't matter if she came from nobody or came from evil or any of that. Right. So you could strip out an entire massive subplot from that. And explain it much more cleanly. And that's what I kept getting from the movie is that it was over explaining right. everything. Yeah. When there were much simpler solutions mm-hmm. uh, that were right there. Yeah. And when I say like corporate greed, I it go <laughs> I know that's a very <laughs> grand statement to make. But it like Well, and, and, and in fairness, Clint and I should let you know that we work for Disney. Yeah. Uh, quite high up. And so That's why we speak so highly of Mandalorian. <laughs> Uh, but like they're, it's like in, in fear. Like they, they had, n- not that they didn't have any interest. They were, and after the Last Jedi, and they saw the backlash they got after mm-hmm. that, and they went back and like took back a lot of the things that he had set up, and they, I, they were afraid of like offending people. So they, they totally played the safe card on what they were doing, and I feel like it, it really hinders the film and it, it doesn't push the story forward. It puts me in a place where I'm like, what are they going to do next? Yeah. And I, I think they learned the wrong lesson from The Last Jedi. Yeah. The lesson that they learned was that people hated it because Luke was not happy and these very, very small things. And while people weren't happy about that stuff, they weren't happy about it because there wasn't enough time spent in the movie to 
legitimize those things. Right. Because so much time was spent with fuel or was spent on a yeah. casino planet. There was Instead no of, development. Yeah, with, let's let's yeah. really dig in and understand why Luke is this mm -hmm. way. And give me some backstory. So instead of it feeling, because the last time we saw Luke was Return of the Jedi. Mm -hmm. He was full hero mo mode. And you're already establishing you're going to do flashbacks. Uh, so why not really dig in and help me understand mm -hmm. how Luke got to this point? But no, Casino Planet and Horses. Right, which doesn't go anywhere. No. You, could, you could, like you said, you could lift that yep. whole section out. And when that time could be spent like giving Poe more character development or Finn. Yep. Like I know in that whole section is with Finn, but you learn nothing about him other than he likes shiny things at the, <laughs> the casino. Yeah. Um, and that was, I think, a disservice to the whole thing. And that was something I was kind of think about while watching it and afterwards where after um, the original trilogy and how they made a like the solo like standalone mm -hmm. movie I was thinking about like would you want to see a film about any of these characters on their own and my answer was no for Ray Finn and Poe yeah like because you mean based on the information that you have about them. right because okay. I don't care about any of them really other than um, than um, Ray yeah I don't I don't care about their characters I love their performances I love what the actors right. are doing they're a blast they're a really good trio yeah. they've got good chemistry but other than a few hints in episode nine that Poe has this shady uh, yeah but you backstory right. from this planet that's interesting but someone me, like but, Solo like yeah. I, you you want to know more about these characters, but I, I'm not even a place with any of these characters because we already got all of Ray's story, basically. So you, there's no point in doing that. Um, but like Finn and Poe, I like I can never see a standalone film being made about yeah, them. Not a standalone, uh, at least as the as they are right now. They work when they're together. Right. They don't work separately because there's just there's not a lot there. Yeah. Um, and I think over three films, they had an opportunity to make you feel that, and they didn't do it. Where there was a lot, and this is my hope for The Mandalorian Episode Eight. I hope that little baby Yoda boards a ship and Babu Frick just walks out of the corner, that little mechanic guy, <laughs> and shoots him in the face and puts on his robe, and The Mandalorian doesn't notice. And he's just like, oh, cool, you're more animated now. Because that little guy was a yeah. blast. Yeah. I know somebody that hated him, but I absolutely love yeah. that little guy. I like that and I liked like the new edition of that little robot yeah. and stuff, but that's also where I'm coming down to where they're just giving me more of yeah. what I'm familiar with merchandising, right? So it's like th that's where I'm thinking about like why did I like this? I was kind of like in this existential place where I'm thinking about <laughs> like tearing it apart, like what made me like this mm -hmm. and why am I having? Why did I have fun during it? Mm -hmm. It's because I'm seeing more of the things that I enjoyed from the past, and it's not pushing the story forward in any way. And that was especially my first time, you're an adult now, and so there's something comfortable and safe about feeling like a kid again. Yeah. And there's there's nothing wrong with that experience. There's there's value to that experience, but when you're trying to weigh that against a film, it doesn't mean the film itself is great. It just means it connected to something Right. Yeah. That that, you know, as an adult you miss. Yeah. It's all like I'm enjoying like all the window dressing around mm -hmm. the edges, but like I was even trying to think like what was the story of this? What was it actually happening in the film? Because mm -hmm. it's pretty simple. I mean, they're just trying to go get to Palpatine, really, mm -hmm. and for different reasons. Um, but 
that's not something that's particularly interesting and hasn't not been done before really in the other ones. For me, um, my first time especially, I was really taken aback by how much mysticism is in it. Uh Uh, That's something that's it's always been there in the novels and the comics and the cartoon series not so much in the movies Mm. obviously the jedi are there and the force is there but this was like full-on sith religion sith cults sith magic uh you know jedi all the jedi versus all the sith and two different people and things disappearing it was it was the most harry potter star wars movies uh, that exists mm-hmm. and they already had kind of set that up a little bit with yeah. the last one where yeah. it was feeling kind of harry pottery and that threw me off yeah now the second time again I, it was fine it didn't bother me at all the second time was a, a very strange uh, i think it was the exact same realization that you had that existential crisis except mine fell on the side of oh this is like uh something being buried this is the end of this relationship I've had with Star Wars. Star Wars is now done, I uh-huh. guess, for me. It's now for yeah. my kid. It's now right. for other kids. It's just, it's not I did, there I had for that me thought. anymore. Yeah. And for me, that was much more of like a celebration of life oh, than yeah? a funeral. Huh. Uh, because it was just, it was a very, it was a very happy. Yeah. And it really, really kind of peaked with Luke and Leia standing there in the desert as spirits and they're watching Ray at the, the, the sun setting on Tatooine and, and that last scene really kind of got me. And there are moments like that in the movie that are genuinely good. Yeah, I think I like I like the moments between Ray and Ben, mm-hmm. uh, Ryla, um, Rilo, but I think it would have given me like that whole last sequence in the film where they're battling Palpatine. Mm-hmm. I wish had more weight that give that like what you're talking about where they're in the desert with Leia and um, watching as ghosts formed um, would have given it that more weight because I, I just didn't feel anything during that whole last section of the film, the big climax. Well, and uh, you can say what you want about Last Jedi, but Snoke had weight. Yeah. Snoke had menace. Yeah. And there, there, there felt like there was a real threat there. Palpatine, even down to the design decision of having him hang on a piece of metal. Right. It moves him around. And he was sort of a corpse. Mm-hmm. There was never a moment where I felt frightened for the characters no. by this walking corpse. Right. Snoke in Last Jedi, like, this is a guy that's going to, with the Force, crush Rey while she's in the air. Right. Right in front of him. Um, it, it just, it had such a, a bigger level of threat to it. Uh, and so, even my second time, I don't understand the need for bringing Palpatine back. I don't either. And um, how do you feel about him being like the puppet master? Like, I feel like that underscores the whole Snoke thing too, because like, he, what was he a clone or something? Well, like, yeah, he had he had cloned different ones, yeah. but I didn't quite understand that very I didn't either. much. Um, which, you know, going back to Force Awakens, thinking in the, the JJ kind of storyline, if he's always appearing via holograms, and then you find out that he's just these clone puppet things. Okay, I get that. But Last Jedi really put him on display and made him this character. Right. Made him this, you know, really sinister villain. And yeah, he dies because of hubris. But at the same time, he was somebody. Yeah. Uh, and there there were no real hints there that suggests, oh, this is something other than uh, what it is. And I, I get it right now. They're doing the thing where, ooh, read the comics, read the books. 
I don't want to. Right. I yeah. want those things. I want them to enhance. But if I'm watching a series of movies, I shouldn't have to right. go and get all these little supplemental pieces to answer things within the movie. The movie should answer it for me. Yeah. And Snoke, like, he, Ryan Johnson kind of gave them an out to do something new with this yeah. one by killing the big bad early on. So you can, like, we're past that. Let's go and do something. But, again, they just went back to kind of just going back to what they knew and bringing back Palpatine. Like, it, it's clear they had no – they weren't going to do that. And he did – he killed him off, and then they had to work around it. And the logical thing for them was bringing him back. And and it would have been I, – I, I think it would have been more interesting Kylo Ren – he kills Snoke. Now he's supreme leader. Yeah. Well, this is this religious zealot is essentially what he is. He's worshiping uh, these fallen villains of the past. That's scary. Mm -hmm. And now this guy has complete power and authority over this space fleet and this first order and all of that's That's really interesting material to mine. Right. Where does this villain go And I go thought that's next? where they were going yeah. with it early on. Yeah. Um, and <laughs> is... I was trying to figure this out. Was Palpatine basically willing that fleet into existence? Or was no, that something? I think it had been built. There was so much that wasn't really yeah. explained. And I'm not big for exposition, but man, yeah. this movie needed about five minutes of exposition for me. Yeah. Um, no, the fleet was built because there were a whole bunch of people. Yeah. So I guess they so, had been gathering there. He had cultists. He had military. They were just building it underground? or I guess. Because it all came from underneath there. So I wasn't sure if he had willed it out of the like earth and like kind of godlike created it or I don't think so. I, yeah, I just couldn't tell. Exactly I think they where. had been building it and then it had been kind of captured under ice or or whatever okay. that was, and the ships were now you know coming online. Mm -hmm. um, but I'm not entirely sure. I, it, I mean, the real answer is it was a visual. And it was a visual th somebody thought was cool. Right. And I'm sure that's they went what with it. it. Yeah, and for sure. And it doesn't have to have logic to it because it's right. Star Wars. And a lot of this movie felt like that. Yeah. Uh, where there were things that looked really cool but made no sense. Mm -hmm. Like the light speed jumping at the beginning. Mm -hmm. That's how you die in the right. Star Wars universe. Yeah. And Han Solo laid that out really clear. Right. Like you have to sit and plot a course just so you don't fly through a rock yeah. that completely destroys Well, you. he sets that up. I just rewatching Force Awakens sets mm -hmm. it up in there because he force jumps or not force, uh, light speed jumps out of the ship. Yep. And he's talking about how he doesn't know if it's going to work yep. or they're just all going to die. And just to do it like and it wasn't the skipping that bothered me. It was the skipping suddenly he's going between canyons and then he's skipping. Right. He's going between like, yeah. oh, calm down. Yeah, yeah. Exciting visually. Mm -hmm. Uh, but doesn't make a whole lot of sense. Right. Uh, and so there were just there were different things like that. Second time through, I don't know. It it was it was just like those things ceased to bother me. I yeah. didn't even click with them because now I was just enjoying the characters, enjoying the fun, and enjoying the emotion of oh, this is my my last Star Wars. Doesn't mean there's not going to be another Star Wars movie. It's just yeah. I think this is the last one I will identify as part of my. Star Wars life, or it's also yeah. it's very grand. No, I, I totally know what you mean because I had the same thought. Yeah. Any, where any I'm like, maybe Star this Wars... is not for me anymore. Yeah. yeah, any other Star Wars that comes out after this, it's going to be like, oh, this is I'll take my kid to see it, or one day, oh, this is I take my grandkids to see right. Star Wars. It's not mine. 
Yeah. Uh, and and really, seven, eight, nine haven't been mine. I think it just mm. took me to nine to realize. Yeah. That. Yeah. I think it even even through the prequels, um, mine was four, five, and six. Mm-hmm. Those are my films. Right. I will watch them till the day I die. Yeah. And I will love them to death. Yeah. Um, the other movies are not mine. Yeah. And I came to that conclusion also, but then I got kind of upset at the idea that this next generation getting these films, mm-hmm. they're going to be lesser. Yeah. And they're going to be dumbed down and not be pushing science fiction cinema forward in some way. I don't know. It just it made me sad in a way that it was just this is what we've just rehashing the same thing over and over. Even Return of the Jedi, which is the most crowded of the original three movies, is not crowded. Mm-hmm. In, I mean, it, it has a very clear three-act structure. They're not planet hopping. They've got essentially three different locations, right. one of which is completely done with after they're finished with Jabba and rescuing Han. It's a little episodic, but it doesn't hop all over the place. This one, the first time, I was feeling very lost. Me too. Not only was I feeling lost, but then sometimes Ray and Kylo are fighting in their vision, and it has real-world consequences. Right. Their lightsabers are clashing. Yeah. But then when he shows up on the Death Star, I was sitting there like, is he here? Is this a vision? I know. And then even when they started fighting, is he here? Is this a vision? Uh, yeah. Even when they're out walking on the bridge and he's getting wet. Well, I'm like, well, that means nothing. Right. Because he pulled the beads and everything's spilling into, you know, from one to the other. So right. they, of course he would get wet. Is, right. Is he actually here? Yeah, yeah. I just needed a slow establishing shot of here I am on my ship mm-hmm. and I'm landing. Now, the second time he says, I'm going there. Mm-hmm. You get this quick little line. And so, okay, not a plot hole. But they still don't slow down enough to breathe. There's this great scene in Empire before they even go to Bespin, after they've escaped uh, the asteroid field, where they're just sitting in the ship talking. Right. Where are we going to go? Yeah. I'm looking around. There's nothing here. Oh, there's this place, and it has this guy I know. We'll set a course for that. Uh, but, But there's this moment of... You're understanding why they're deciding to go somewhere. You understand what the stakes are. You understand why they're investing in the plan that they're investing in. Right, right. This doesn't have that. This is, and now we're here, and now we're here, and now we're here. Yep. And that, totally agree. Like, in in the originals, and I I can't remember back to the prequels. I haven't seen Mm -hmm. them in a long time. But I feel like everything was so Mm well-defined when, where they are like in time and space and they spend time there so it has weight to it and like it feels like the characters went through something in those circumstances in the place that they're at and it contributes to the whole story um rather than like like i said with mandalorian time and space mean nothing and it doesn't take time to get anywhere i know you were traveling at light speed but still light takes some time to get from a star to here but oh and even in new hope when they go from Tatooine to Alderaan, that's a trip. Yeah. And they have scenes to establish yeah. this is a trip. And, and you can use that. And when go to Alderaan to the Death Star, it's a smaller trip, but, oh, it's in the same vicinity. But even that takes time. And now we've got this tractor beam, and it's taking time to pull us in. And yeah, and you have time in those. There's that builds. Right, and you have time in those moments to work with the characters and yeah. their development and their relationship. And there was some moments of that in the new one. And I know it's kind of a little unfair to completely um, compare these 
to those films. But at the same time, like I said, they're pulling so much from the architecture of the original films that there it's so hard not to compare them to yeah. those. Yeah. I don't know. Um, there, but like I said, I, there was things I liked in it. Like I liked, I liked Ben and I liked, um, um, Ray, like there, I liked the, there are something where this new trilogy is much, much better than the prequel trilogy. Mm. As far as I'm concerned, because the acting is strong, the casting yeah. is strong, the characters are strong. Yeah. Even even when they don't give you enough to go on, like I'm enjoying watching mm-hmm. these actors work, and yeah. they're clearly having a good time. I want to ask you, how do you feel about the conclusion of their relationship? Whose relationship? Ray and Ben at the end. Uh, not a fan. Not a fan either. Only because of that kiss. Me too. That I don't kiss, think that was earned in any way. Nope, not earned in any way. And uh, this is by no means my idea. I've read different articles about it. Just the idea that that validates an abusive relationship. Right. And I'm like, absolutely, that validates yeah. an you abusive just relationship. Wa- you watched him kill his father. Yep. That's that's how you met him. Yep. Or, that no, was... he tortured you. He yep. ripped things out of your mind. Yep. He was holding you prisoner. He was going to execute you. Yep. He's killed your friends. He's killed an entire fleet. You you gave him a chance in the last movie to come around. He just killed more people mm-hmm. um, and practically wiped you and your entire new family out on crate. And no, none yep. of that is earned. She can be happy that he's redeemed right. and he's come back around. But that you didn't fall in love with him during this nope. journey in any way. And I really hated after Last Jedi the people that were suggesting there was a romantic connection there. I didn't see that at all. I didn't the, Every conversation they had was like them yelling at each other yep. in anger and yep. like the one scene in the red throne room maybe. Yep. But that even ends poorly for them. Yep. So I just can't – I. I cannot imagine any world that they would get together. And if you just pull that moment out, even her taking on the Skywalker name at the end, they're essentially siblings. They're right. angry, feuding siblings. Yeah, yeah. Even if she's adopted. That's how I looked at them the whole time. That's how I saw them the whole time. Me too. Except for that kiss. Yep. It just, I was great with his turn. I love yeah. the scene where Harrison Ford shows up. Yeah. I thought that was very classy. I liked that it wasn't a force ghost. I liked that that was his memory. Um. Uh, you know, it was a quick turn uh, for his mom to connect to him and then just a memory of his dad to kind of turn him around. But yeah, OK, um, I think I'd have been much better there. And I think if Carrie Fisher was alive, mm-hmm. it would have been Luke style force project projection. She's standing there talking. To right. Him. With kind of the memory of maybe them yeah, together. I think that would have been a much more powerful. Yeah. Moment. And maybe it would have been even more fun rather than a memory that she brought like somehow brought him him, him with her yeah so I, I think that would have made more sense oh, rather than uh, yeah imagine that same scene where she when she lays down she drags him back to his childhood and he's remembering like chewy holding him right and, and then harrison ford's talking to him same yeah. lines and you're realizing like oh this is this is all a part of what she's showing him mm-hmm. and mom's the one that turns him around right oh, right that would have been that would have been great yeah but there's just different stuff like that where it just felt like there's a there's a smoother answer or way to reach the same end it just felt like let's let's cram in a lot of plot to what could be a, a much more elegant kind of solution right especially since the plot is pretty thin in yeah. like 
there's not much to it rather than we're all going trying to get the Palpatine for, like I said, different reasons. But you had to have so much, you would have, it seems like there'd be plenty of time in there to do character yeah. things. Like, and they did, but it's just, I don't know. I just still scratch all the head. Palpatine stuff felt much more prequel than it yeah. did Return of the Jedi. I don't, I, I did not like that last sequence. It looked like compared to the rest of the film, it looked cheap. And also, man, if you can just shoot a bunch of lightning into space and bring down an entire fleet, yeah, it robs everything of stakes. I know it's like, oh, the fleet's in danger. No, if one guy can do that, then why is this girl any challenge right. to this Sith yeah. Lord whatsoever? All she did was cross lightsabers, yeah. Ghostbuster style. Like, she didn't do... I also didn't like with that where he was just trying to get her to turn so she would be the next... He, his he would, vessel or His whatever. vessel. And then realizes, oh, I can just steal your, pow- your powers and yeah. I'll renew myself like why i don't understand why that wasn't just the goal the whole but they've got the dagger there instead of putting an inscription on the dagger uh like you have to kill me with the dagger yeah Uh, you know and she's using that because otherwise it's just like so if i kill you like how does she know shooting the lightning back at him doesn't kill him in a way that lets him inhabit her it's the same right right and the movie's not explaining to me why that's different Mm -hmm. other than i'm all the jedi Right. Okay. <laughs> and is that that doesn't even feel like something that was established that, in any way? So that that whole part of it was very end game for me. Like uh-huh. the big fleet comes in, yes, and like yeah, they come over the too. radio and ooh, and then you know I am Iron Man. I am all the Jedi. And it yeah. Just, well, is that something established in like Jedi lore or because no. I've this, never heard this film any of had that. way more. Every movie has introduced a new Jedi power. Yeah. One new Jedi power. Right. Episode eight, it was the force projection. That was the big yeah. one. Uh, and kind of the force communication. So maybe the last, last Jedi had two, that force bridge. But even that's kind of logically the same power. Right. In one case, you're just connecting to and they're seeing each other and talking to each other. In the other one, you're actually projecting yourself. But it's kind of the same thing. Mm-hmm. This one had all kinds of new force stuff. Right. Now we can pass objects through. Now we can... We can now bring down ships. We have... And... Oh, yeah. Fighting over a spaceship. Yeah. And there, there was just a lot there were like, we have really upgraded what the force is in this movie. And especially when you go back and watch New Hope, I don't care how old Obi-Wan <laughs> you can pick is. pick something up. <laughs> yeah. I yeah. don't care how old Obi-Wan is. At no point in A New Hope does anything levitate. Right. That was, that was Empire Strikes Back. When that lightsaber shakes at the beginning of Light, oh, uh, yeah. at Empire, yeah. that's the introduction of a new force power. Uh-huh. And you don't realize that when you think back to the old ones. It's just right. like the force is always the force. Yeah. And Jedi does the same thing with new stuff. And they've always kind of upgraded the force. But this was quite the video game upgrade. <laughs> I don't know. Taking a page from the Mandalorian. Armor yeah. upgrade. Force upgrade. Yeah. Uh, there's a bar at the top of the screen that's just yeah. like filling up. Um, one thing I thought was pretty kind, almost on par with prequel stuff, was the horses on the ship. Did you notice though that they were practical? They were real horses. It doesn't matter. It did to me because the whole idea is <laughs> yeah, stupid. No, I horses on a ship are stupid <laughs> inherently. Yeah, I agree with you. There's no version of a good idea that involves landing horses on a giant spaceship. No. I agree with you. Okay. But they were practical horses. 
where they address them to look like aliens. But there but was no ship. I know that. But there was no ship, so they didn't really put horses on a ship. I hear you. <laughs> but I can't tell you. You know how much I've complained about watching people poorly ride CG creatures. I, yeah. And finally. Yeah. They have put creatures into the movie that are rideable and real bantha style it yeah. made me happy the, the horses were the, the design Don't was not my this part for me Clint. the design was not my problem i liked them they were like they were <laughs> warthog horses or i had a name for them sure already. they had hor- like warthog oh, faces. I, I, I agree with you practical warthog faces wart horses wart horses yeah practical not, not to be horses. confused with war horse yeah. um that was not my problem with that i know it was it's just the, the whole sequence I is i get it a bad bad plan i get it Okay. I get it. <laughs> In the course of this conversation, it really sounds like I hate this movie. I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it much more the second time. I even liked it. Well, I'm still, I, I've um, only seen it once. Maybe I would forgive, be more forgiving. But... And that's, I'm curious how you feel about the second time. Because, man, after the first time, I would, I would have been on your side of the conversation. And I don't know if it's just my love of Star Wars that when I went in the second time, I'm like, I'll forgive anything. Yeah. It's, it's okay. I know you, you hit me a bunch last night, but I love you again. You're not going to hit me this time. It's an abusive relationship. It's the Ray and Ben situation. It's the Ray and Ben. Um, but, well, I mean, like I said, I enjoyed it while watching it, but all this stuff clicked into place afterwards. Yeah. So I don't know if I would over like overlook it. I was the same time. way. I wasn't thinking about this stuff during, except for I remember specifically thinking, I'm not a huge fan of all of the mystical mumbo jumbo. Yeah. There's a line there for me. And this one really went into kind of the cartoon mm-hmm. Clone Wars arena, which works in in a cartoon, right. but just it doesn't feel like it it quite connects to the other movies. And even that Everything was crowded in this movie, not just how much was in the movie, but every shot. Yeah. There's always a thousand Star Destroyers. There's always a thousand ships around a thousand Star Destroyers. There's always, like, there was no... The giant fleet coming in to save them. No, it was was just just full. It was full. Like, where where were these people the whole time? Pull the camera back and give me a sense of space, even when it was character shots. Mm Mm-hmm. The camera's pushed in really tight, and the whole screen is filled, and I couldn't just enjoy the locale or, or the location right. i couldn't even get a sense of where it was when they were running around the ship yeah uh on on kylo ren's star destroyer yeah i had no idea where they were every hallway just, looked the same yeah. there was no sense of place mm-hmm. um and i was so ha- like i was excited during that sequence because i was mm-hmm. like fi- like that felt very star wars yeah. to me like oh cool we're in that like we're on a ship again yeah and there's something that I realized also afterwards this there's so little of space yeah actually in these if they skip all the space yeah there's there's no space battles there's no um like we're not on ships yeah. we're not trying to get on ships like there's so much of that in the originals yeah. and I, I don't know I miss that like but even that fight at the end of return of the Jedi give me a planet that Palpatine's on, but put his Star Destroyers around the planet. He doesn't have to have them hidden nice. Nobody knew where this planet was. Right, right. It was a completely hidden planet. Yeah. In the that was the whole plot of the film. They couldn't find this planet. You have to fly through this big thing. So you don't got to hide the ships. Yeah. You know, have this huge, massive fleet, right. Saturn-style ring around the planet or right. whatever you want to do. Uh, but have my battle out there. Mm-hmm. Uh, even Rogue One separated the ground battle from the aerial battle 
from the space right, battle. Right. There was there was a very tiered structure to what was happening, and occasionally a ship would come down, or you would see something interact. But right. there was that sense of here's what's going on in space, mm-hmm. and here are those stakes. Here's what's happening on the planet. Here are those stakes. Right. And even the Jedi Empire, New Hope does the same thing. And Force Awakens doesn't have mm-hmm. it either. I yeah. mean, it's it's all surface level battle mm-hmm. on that not Death Star whatever they refer to it as. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I, I realized after the conclusion of all, I was like, there was something missing. That mm-hmm. was one thing I really missed. Because like, it would, like you were saying, there would be tears. There's yeah. the, the giant aerial battle in space. There's the ground level. There's the personal, like Luke and um, and Darth Vader. Mm-hmm. And like, so you have all these tiers of things happening like, and it just yeah, builds to the whole. Jedi's really well structured on that because you've yeah. got this giant space battle with completely separate characters. You've got the incursion into the shield generator with Han and Leia. That's a completely different set of characters. And then you've got up on a part of the Death Star, Luke, Vader, and the Emperor, which is a completely different confrontation. And I love when Star Wars, old Star Wars, does that everything looks like it's about to be dire and fall apart at each of those levels. Right. Han and Leia are captured. Luke is, you know, about to turn and the shield's still up. The space battle Lando's leading is not, uh, not going to happen. Right. And then it just suddenly all breaks and mm-hmm. goes in the right direction. And you can feel this movie really trying to do that when Palpatine's shooting the lightning in the air, mm-hmm. but it's just cartoon physics and cartoony and lightning. And right. it takes away from that feeling of, they pulled it off. Right, right. You're they like didn't pull it against off. the he odds. Just stopped they... shooting lightning in space. Right. So he became the Death Star in that moment. Clint. <laughs> uh, he did. He and... did. <laughs> he's the Death Star. <laughs> oh, he's the Death Star. Uh. So I know, like saying that is then. Oh well, I'm I'm angry that it's too much like the originals. But then at the same instant, they're not enough like the originals by not doing that stuff. Oh, and that's Last like, Jedi wasn't enough like the originals, and then this one is too much. And it's like I don't know that there is a line. That no, you can hit. I really don't. I Maybe think that's what people get caught up in. I don't think that's the lesson. I don't think so either. I don't think that that the moments in. Uh, Force Awakens that are like New Hope is what actually bothers people. I think that's what they see, but that's not what bothers them. What bothers them is there's not something new to grab onto. Right, right. And so it feels like you're just rehashing. Yeah. It's not a smart rehash. It's just you're grabbing onto something that worked before and you're manipulating my emotions. Right, right. And for the people that feel manipulated, they're like, this is a new hope. For people like me that don't feel manipulated, they're like, oh, I don't see it. Right. Um, Force Awakens is the... Least egregious to me. Like, I still enjoy that movie yeah. regardless of that. But the other two, I feel like it hinders. Last Jedi has a lot of Return of the Jedi in it. Mm-hmm. Um, this one had a lot of. It's Empire kind of in reverse. Yeah. 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 This one had a lot of. Um, man, when he's trying to get her to turn and he's putting his hand out, and that wasn't accidental, that's very important. Oh, for sure. Um, but it didn't feel like it was in a smart way. He wasn't commenting on uh, my grandfather failed to do this with Luke, but I'm going to pull it off. Right. Okay. Now your mirroring of that scene makes sense because he's trying to specifically achieve something through a specific means that he sees as somebody before him having failed. Mm. Uh, And even that to go from a character, had he 
worshiped his grandfather in episode seven and by episode nine just thought, no, he was weak. I, I hate him. Mm -hmm. I disown him. I'm going to be what he could never be way more interesting. Right. Um, so I ultimately they didn't have a plan. Right. And if they had a plan, they wouldn't just be fun, enjoyable films. I think they could potentially be great mm -hmm. in a resurgence of Star Wars. As is, uh, they're fun. And yeah. I'm curious what kids today, like, do they defend them to the teeth one day? Mm -hmm. um, that's going to be the real test of that is do they defend them the same way we defend the original trilogy? Or are they just going to get lost in the yeah. noise of everything else that Disney puts out, they're not going to have this special place. Yeah. That's what I, I feel like it could go, yeah. especially after The Mandalorian mm -hmm. and this. I, I just don't know where it goes now. Yeah. Are they? I hope that they are kind of forced into this corner where they have to do something new yeah. and they luck out on some director that they allow to do something interesting. And maybe closing off the Skywalker storyline, although yeah. nothing dictated that this had to be the Skywalker no. storyline. Yeah. Even with Luke and Leia and Han still in it, mm -hmm. this could have very easily yeah. had nothing to do right. with the Skywalker yeah. bloodline and all of that. Mm -hmm. um, that was a specific choice yeah. they made. That was the safe choice, I think. Yeah. And so maybe this finally allows them to go and play in other parts of the universe. I hope so, although The Mandalorian doesn't give me a lot of hope because that's, for the most part, playing elsewhere in the universe, and it's not feeling very successful. And with the how they reacted to the, the not-so-successful turnout for, like, Solo and yeah. Rogue One, yeah. where that is so barely stepping out of the comfort zone of these films, yeah. and that scared them off. Because they, didn't they cancel, like, all of that stuff mm -hmm. now? So, like... Are they, I don't know, that just gives me no hope, or like little hope that they're going to try to it do It just something. feels like they need somebody in place like a Kevin Feige in the Marvel, in the MCU. With a clear plan. Who has a very clear plan. Here's exactly what we're going to do 10 movies from now. Right. And let's build towards that. They need somebody with that level of, somebody that still allows for creative freedom, probably a little more than he does. Yeah. Uh, but somebody that's really forward thinking and like, here's how it all comes together. Yeah. Um, and I was hoping maybe because the Game of Thrones, they were going to do mm -hmm. um, some awesome. Then they wandered off. Kevin Feige is getting, he's going to be a producer on, on some Star Wars film oh, or really? some Star Wars trilogy. And that's probably to move him in. But I don't know that he's the right person for right. that. I think his mindset works really well for comic book characters. Yeah. Um, I, I don't know that that's what Star Wars needs. Where there's like this back catalog of information mm -hmm. that they can pull from. Oh, yeah, from. you have tons of stuff yeah, to like, pull from. This is something that needs monitored and grown and, and new concepts yeah. and new ideas. And I don't Unless know. Unless I mean, they go from all the books. Maybe. But I, maybe that's, I don't know. Maybe. I don't know. I Like I said, yeah, I enjoyed it. I had a good time with it. I did too. Um, yeah, but... Watch it again. I um, will. I'm really curious what you think. I, I'm going to end up seeing it again this week. I'm curious what my third time was. Um, Carrie Fisher really got me the second time. Really? Harrison Ford really got me. And Mark Hamill. And it was Carrie Fisher has died. And the realization of how old Mark Hamill is and how old Harrison Ford is. It's just like these movies aren't ending. This entire generation yeah. of actors that I've grown up just like these are my childhood 
characters. These yeah. these are the ones that, like in my formative years, have have controlled my imagination and helped me build my imagination. I'm watching them die off, mm-hmm. and so seeing now these all three of these characters dead uh, on screen, it was just that <laughs> really hit me. Yeah, really hit me. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I yeah, I'll watch it again. I'll watch but... it again. I also I, I rewatching um, the Last Jedi mm-hmm. was in a particularly cynical mood after that, <laughs> and I liked that movie even less than I did before, mm-hmm. and I, I don't even think for the reasons most people do, other than the Casino Planet. See, I just, when I skip the Casino Planet, I love that movie. Yeah, it's it it helps me every time. I just skip right past it. There's so much that whole that thing is tied into it too much though. The whole that whole journey that they're on, even not the <laughs> the planet itself, like uh, Benicio de Toro's yeah. character is awful. I do not like his character. You just right past those. It. The crystal foxes, crystal foxes are in there too much. They don't hurt your brain as much if you skip right past that casino planet. I don't know about that. I'm telling you, I have I've disavowed it. It does not exist. I go right through it. I just get to that. Crazy lightsaber fight and the hold maneuver, and I'm a happy little boy. That's that's a good scene. Yeah. Uh, it's a really good scene when you skip all the other junk that comes there's before two, it. It's like 45 minutes. Yeah. It makes the movie real fast. It's real digestible. I'll try, I will try that. It's, it's seriously, I'll do it for the rest of the time. It's great. It makes me feel wonderful. And and it really accentuates the fact Where that you Where do you, you jump back nothing. in? I, when they leave, I jump to when they get back. Oh, really? <laughs> totally. Oh, my gosh. They go to find the hacker. Like, not them on the, nope. on the ship They go to find the hacker. Because that seems awful, too. And then come back with Benicio Del Toro. And I'm just like, cool. Because you miss nothing. I, I, there's a couple little scenes in there oh. where it hops back to the fleet. I stop for those. Uh, Ray and Luke. Yeah. You know, I stop for those. But, man, as soon as it's on that planet, I'm out of there. <laughs> and I miss nothing. If I had... The ability and the talent and the time, I would just cut that right out and reburn it to disc, and that would just be my last Jedi. You just have to get some Final Cut yep. experience. And it even works better. It's just like, man, this guy really turned on him. I wonder what <laughs> happened when they were at the casino playing it. It's great. Uh, anyway. Yeah. Okay. Go see Star Wars because you already have Yeah, it I'm sure everyone well has. Yeah. Argue about it online and swear that this is the most important thing in the world because we have not, nothing better to no. worry about doesn't matter no just go back watch the ones you like it is fun i am going to miss christmas at star wars yeah uh, or christmas Christmas star wars star wars Wars at christmas yeah Uh, just i'm sure they'll something will fill its place there'll be more it was harry potter before that yeah there's all lord of the rings and yeah um there'll probably be more star wars oh yeah yeah. they'll give it a little bit of a break three mandalorian movies I just give Baby me, Yoda sequel. Give me a Jedi training school movie. Give me a Poe and Zori movie. Uh, give me a you know. There's there's different little things they've set up where they could do some interesting things. We'll see what they do. I don't know. They need some new writers and directors in there. Mm-hmm. Don't producer. let JJ do anymore. No, he just he didn't feel like his heart was in this one. No. Even when he talks about it, it just it doesn't feel like. It feels like when Peter Jackson took The Hobbit. Right. Yeah. Uh, where it's just like, well, it fell through with Guillermo. I guess I'm the guy to do it. Yeah. And he really did. It's not, I'm not saying he didn't put his heart into it, but you can just tell when somebody 
doesn't have that big idea. Yeah. I love that Lindelof with Watchmen is saying, like, I don't know if there's going to be a season two. I'm not doing it if I don't have a story. Good. Right. Same thing. I think Unless JJ was it. just like, I know exactly how this should end. I know exactly what should happen after Last Jedi. You shouldn't be the one taking that movie. I don't care what the deadline is. I don't care when the release window is. Don't take that movie. Yep. And Disney should have been the first one to say, let's push this movie back until we have the right story. I was going to ask you, what is the time in between the original movies? It was 77, I believe, 81 and 83. Uh, there was the biggest gap in between New Hope and Empire. Mm -hmm. Empire and Jedi went much faster. And there was a little bit of crunch there. That's why they went with Marquand. Richard Marquand is the director on Jedi because it was supposed to be David Lynch. Oh, right. And I then somebody that. else. And then it fell to Marquand because they just needed to get it rolling. Yeah. Um, but Empire, they had much more time to breathe and, and develop and, and whatnot. Because mm -hmm. um, I was trying to put in perspective of these and like. Well, I was, with had these, the same... it was very like two years. Yeah, yeah. It has to be done. Yeah. Which is sort of like Lord of the Rings. Mm -hmm. But even Lord of the Rings, Peter Jackson, even though they were coming out year after year, like, had a very clear plan. They were shooting they all at the same yeah, time. Right. That's... They had all of the design work done at the same time. Right. All the actors on set for all three movies. Mm -hmm. uh, it was just this huge, Yeah, they just lived there and did that for yeah, like a huge whatever. year shoot. And then each year was just to putting it together in special effects. Mm -hmm. Maybe some reshoots. Yeah. Whereas this, man, the, I can't even imagine coming in after The Last Jedi, especially as the director who had set things up in seven and being told, but now do nine. Like, yeah, but the middle part is not what I would have done. Yeah, so, yeah. Uh, that's an almost impossible task. Right. That's what I was thinking of. I was like, if they had a little bit more time to work on it, like they didn't force themselves in this corner where they had to get it out in two years, maybe they it would have helped it. Like... And maybe that would have Such happened if not for the solo lesson, because the solo lesson was, we're going to delay this. Well, then everybody lost their minds. Oh, if it's being delayed, then it must be terrible. Right. Like, no, don't you want a good movie? Don't you want a better movie? Right. You would rather us rush this out? Mm -hmm. than, so, I don't know. I don't know either. I think the internet's ruining movies. I, th I really I, do. I do, too. Honestly. I do, too. I thought that exact same thing yeah. after this. Where... Yeah. Uh, just listening to what everyone has to say and it's got to please everyone. And I even would love to see what episode nine looks like with JJ Abrams. If it was in a vacuum, right? Even after episode eight, exactly as it was like, I want to see it in a vacuum. And even episode eight was episode eight the way it was because of the, Oh, episode seven is just new hope. Right. Everything feels like a response to the last thing with franchise filmmaking. That's not to keep, uh, praising Kevin Feige on that with the Marvel movies, but they don't do a lot of course correction. Mm -hmm. um, you see a little bit, but it seems very much kind of like, nope, if a movie doesn't work, we're sticking to the plan. We're still going ahead. Right, right. Um, where it definitely does not feel that way with this. You can almost feel the, the Q&A response yeah, to each complaint sure. or point. Or even in this one, it said about the Holdo maneuver was luck. No, it wasn't. She turned that ship around and aimed it right at a ship. What are you talking about? It was luck. Right, right. But they had to put that in there because the internet had blown up. Well, this breaks the Star Wars universe. And why wouldn't they do that all the time? They wouldn't do it all the time because it wastes a ship. Right. And somebody and has to some, do it. Right. For and sure. All they would have had to say is we're not suicide bombers. Right. That was something that was in that moment 
she sacrificed herself and and had to do. But we yeah, it completely like takes away from her sacrifice yeah. by saying that. And also, I mean, Rose, yeah. like they just completely sidelined her. Yeah, that was weird. That was really weird. Yeah, but that was another one where you could tell like this isn't my character. Right, this character is not important to me. Uh, because even Finn, it's just like they had a romantic connection at the end of that right, last movie. Right. What just happened? Yeah, even um, if it was just one-sided, sure. I mean, still you would think like, and she would, didn't she initiate that kiss? Mm-hmm. And yeah. so like you would she think went she went back for him. She sacrificed her right, life. Right, you would him. think she'd want to come on the mission yeah. and help out, but it's not like she would have been out of place on that mission. She'd no. been fine. Right, even like just her quips and off like. Yeah. And to be know. fair, the actress went through all kinds of backlash. And so maybe she as an yeah. actress said, I do not want to be front and center in this one. That's, uh, yeah, that's again, a clear sign of the internet. Even ruining. if it's that, internet ruining movies. Just, uh, makes me mad. I want to go back to that golden time where you could just go and watch a movie and talk about it with your friends. Right. And there was no actual dialogue with the filmmakers. You could hear interviews from them. You could hear what they were thinking. But you had no way of in mass directing your feedback to mm-hmm. them because that has to affect you as a, as a creative force or as a, as a filmmaker. Um, even if it's, I choose to completely ignore it. I don't want to know that still affects your decisions. Yeah. Um, I mean, um, no art or stories are made well in a situation like yeah. that yeah. by committee. It no. just doesn't work. There has to be somebody helming it and not listening to all the noise and uh, Star Wars. Star Wars. Let's get a little more festive. <laughs> okay. Clint. You want to get festive? You want to cheer up with yeah, me? Yeah. I wish I had. You dragged me down. I I was I'm sorry. I was a little down after my first time in Star Wars, and then I popped back <laughs> up after my emotional journey the second time, and I was just like, man, I feel good about this, and I love it. Yeah. And then you just you brought me back. I'm sorry. Earth. No, you needed to. It needed to happen. <laughs> It's okay. I hope uh, everyone out there there enjoyed it more than I did. There's my opinion is split. Some people are, it's it's, it's all over the place, all over the place. Uh, And I think it will just cause more internet rioting and raging and divisiveness. And it'll only make the next Star Wars movie even more unbearable because there's more to wade through. Based on feedback from this one. Yeah. Uh, but let's we're be adding more to festive. It or hindering it. Clint and I have put together uh, some of our Christmas essentials. Now, this isn't necessarily Christmas movies. It can be a Christmas movie. Mm. But it is Christmas movies in the sense that these are the movies. It is Christmas break. I'm off of work. Or once upon a time, I was off of school. Here <laughs> are the movies that I'm going to watch during Christmas, my Christmas season movies. Uh, and the first one for me, I already mentioned New Hope. When I was a little kid, yeah, New Hope was on the TV every Christmas. And still I find myself, even though New Hope isn't my favorite of the, the original trilogy, that's the one I watch at Christmas time yeah. because it just puts me right back into that very simple time where it was just action figures in front of a TV. Mm-hmm. And I'm holding the next wing up in front of the screen, dive bombing with red five yeah that just it so captured my imagination that it's imprinted in my brain i remember like the christmas tree over in the corner and yeah. the lights and the presence under the christmas tree so there's that excitement kind of vibrating off of that corner of the room mm-hmm. this little tube tv uh and these if you've ever gone back and looked at old star wars toys these clunky in no way to scale toys i have them i still have <laughs> great them. yeah ah. um but i would you know pull out the millennium falcon just all of it. It was 
it was so much fun. And still, I go back and I every Christmas I have to watch New Hope <laughs> every time. What's one of yours? Well, my list, I kind of did it a little differently where uh-huh. it's not ones that I necessarily watch every year. Mm-hmm. But they're ones that I have a soft spot for and that I watched growing up. And still, just the thought of them kind of put me back in that place, even if I don't watch them every year. So my first is It's a Wonderful Life with the James Jimmy Stewart. Which really holds up. Yeah. It's a really good movie. Yeah. Yeah. It's just that, I don't know, it's just like a classic nice tale. It makes me warm. I fuzzy all over just makes you warm and fuzzy yeah i i really do love that movie we went my son goes to an arts and music school and uh they have a big holiday spectacular where they do all sorts of different things from the different departments and the the actors department this year did a uh radio broadcast of it's a wonderful life they took the old like 20s 30s radio version Uh uh-huh and they had the actors on one side that were coming up to like the microphone and then they had the sound effects guys on the other side and at first i'm just like well this is going to be terribly boring just watching uh all of these high schoolers just read into microphones it was great yeah it was so much fun they were doing voices and the kids over on the sound effects are doing all the clacking and Uh the shoes on the staircase and uh, it was really tightly done and they had music for it that's awesome Uh, it was so great that's cool um but yeah, wonderful life. Just yeah, I, Jimmy Stewart. I just love Jimmy Stewart. Yeah. Have you ever so, seen Mr. Smith Goes to Washington? I think at some point in my life, it's one yeah. I probably should go back and watch. You really should. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like North by Northwest. Yeah, I just, yeah. I love him. Yeah. What do you got? Okay. Uh, next one up for me is Groundhog Day. Groundhog Day is the most Christmas movie <laughs> of non-Christmas movies ever made. Uh, if you watch it, and if you take out any reference to Groundhog Day, it's it's totally a Christmas movie. Yeah, yeah. Being snowed in, this Scrooge-like character learning to be a better human being, um, sort of revisiting his past, but in a weird time loopy kind of way. I just, I love that movie. Mm-hmm. I love the little story beats. There's a moment where there's a homeless man that he's been passing right. the whole time. And then he finally stops and pays attention to the homeless man and he decides, I'm going to feed this guy. Well, then the guy dies. Mm -hmm. And so there's this brief five-minute part of the movie where it just ignores everything else. And it's just about him trying to save this man. He always dies. Mm -hmm. And then it it doesn't go back to that at all. The the lesson there is, no, you just – there are things you can't change no matter what you do. Yeah. Uh, And there's there's all of these little Christmas vignettes – in Groundhog Day. Yeah. And it's just, it's one of my favorite Christmas movies, even though it has nothing to do with Christmas. <laughs> I watch it every year. Yeah. yeah. Well, that was my next one. Oh, was it? So, yeah, I, that was probably one of the earliest films that made me love film. Oh. Where, it, yeah. and it made me realize what film could be. Like, it could be funny, it can be dark, it can mm-hmm. be sweet, and my, like, completely nurtured my love for Bill Murray and yeah. just like, to see an actor like that and what's possible is yeah i love that film and i i don't think it didn't click on into place as being a non-christmas christmas movie until years after watching Mm -hmm. it all that time but just like i would watch it through the winter (laughs) and just because it gave me that feeling of being snowed in like you said and it then slowly morphed into yeah like this does feel very Christmassy it's all taking place in that season and um, I I love that film when I first moved out of my parents house when I got married and and had my own house 
Uh, anytime there was a big snowstorm, that's the movie I'd watch. Yeah. And it just, you know, couldn't get out anyway. Why mm-hmm. not? Groundhog Day. Now, that was <laughs> when my movie collection was like 30 movies. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> so maybe smaller selection. But, you know. All right. So what's your next, next one? Um, my next one is A Christmas Story. Oh. Yeah. Um, Little Ralphie. Little Ralphie and his getting his Red Rider uh, BB gun. Um, I actually came to that one pretty late. Mm-hmm. Um, I was probably, I don't think I saw it till I was maybe 17 or something. Again, from my upbringing, my yeah. parents, I don't know why that one was on the list that they <laughs> won't let me see. Maybe they were afraid I was going to shoot my eye out. Maybe. It's a good life lesson. Yeah. I didn't. I made it through. Now, do you still was, watch it? Yeah, we watched time? it. I pretty frequently. That's, That's one. one I definitely yeah. watched. I, I know I watched it last year and I'll probably watch mm. it again this year. Mm. Um, yeah, it's Totally fun. Lo- love that setting of like the fifties and the family. That's one, the 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 marriage between the narration yeah. and watching the kid the whole time is so great. I know. Uh that's that's one of the the best narrators in, in narrated movies. Uh-huh. I love it. Um and it's perfectly placed throughout. I know. Just, it's a really well constructed movie. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh my next one is Home Alone, the original oh, Home Alone. Yeah, yeah. And uh, partly because this was my son's absolute favorite movie for a long time. And he would just sit on the couch when he was cute and little Mm -hmm. and just laugh and laugh and laugh. (laughs) And I would laugh with him. But it's the scenes with the old man Mm -hmm. that get me every time. This this is a movie I cry on on cue. Really? Yep. Uh, Because here's the mean old man that Kevin keeps running into and he's scared of. And then there's this moment where... Uh, he starts to figure out who this man is and he he's not talks to man. him in a church. He's not a mean old man. He's a man that kind of screwed some stuff up early in life and he's he's been kind of separated from his son and his son's family. He doesn't know his grandkids. He's always wanted to go back, but his pride won't let him. Oh, it melts me mm-hmm. every time. And then that shot of him at the end when Kevin sees him in the house with his kids. Yeah, yeah. Oh. <laughs> Um, and it's got this great John Williams score, one of yeah. the one of the best John Williams score at its heart, because uh, you usually think of Star Wars or Superman or that right. kind of stuff, Jaws. But man, the Home Alone score is just pure Christmas joy. Mm-hmm. Um, and I I actually could do it without uh, any of the robber stuff. It's <laughs> it's fun. The Wet Bandits. It's yeah, they're fun. Yeah, I like it. But when you go back and watch it. That's 20 minutes of the movie. Yeah. Everything else is just this kid trying to survive on his own and learning life lessons. And then you've got this very violent 20 minutes. <laughs> um, but I just, I love that movie. I try to watch yeah. it every year. It's a great one. Yeah. Yeah. It's I almost cool. put that on my list, but I <sighs> left it off. Yeah. You would have been the perfect age for oh, it. Oh, I too. was. I watched that movie religiously. <laughs> yeah. And dreamed of being that child. Yeah. yeah. Getting, I remember, um, desperately wanting the talk man thing mm-hmm. I, and i i really wanted that and didn't realize never. it was a fictional toy no they actually made it what yeah my they cousin did? had it oh wow yeah they i think inspired by the film they made it but yeah my cousin had it and i really wanted it and never That's got funny. one okay what's next on your list um national lampoon's christmas vacation yeah this is one that <laughs> my dad quotes year round <laughs> like Every time I'm around, did you watch it when you were a kid? Because it's got some. I did, but I did, but it was at this time in my life. My parents would tape a lot of stuff off television, okay. 
So it was a television cut. And I don't think I saw the non-television cut till way after realizing what was missing. And I was like, wow. blow your mind? Yeah. Yeah, mine too. And then I was trying to think back, like, was this, did I see this as a kid? Because I don't think so. There's a whole swath of movies like that. Uh, Christmas Vacation, Trading Places. Yeah. um, A bunch of Eddie Murphy stuff Mm -hmm. where my parents had, Beverly Hills Cop, my parents had recorded. I had grown up watching it and never realized these are R-rated movies. (laughs) Like, oh my goodness. Yeah, yeah. And that one, it still, it cracks me up. To this day, yeah, I thought it's. I think it's great. All right, yeah. How many do you have on your list? I just have five, and I have kind of some honorable things that okay. I. Yeah. All right. How many do you have? Uh, this is my last. Okay, one. I have one more too. Okay, uh, my last one is, and with all seriousness, uh, just go into my solemn <laughs> voice here, the Muppets Christmas Carol. Oh yeah. I have watched already this December twelve times. There's something I am wrong with you. I will when I can't sleep at night in December. I will just sit there and it's on Disney Plus. Uh huh. That's what I've spent the most hours watching on Disney Plus is the Muppets Christmas Carol, uh, and that's not even the version I love. The version I love is the old home video version that has uh, an extra song in it that's really important, but it's very hard to find. It's not even on the Blu-ray mm. version. You have to go back to the the DVD. Um, but I I just watch it all December long. It makes me laugh like I've never seen it before, but uh-huh. I still laugh at it like an idiot. I make people sit in my basement uncomfortably and make them watch it if they've never seen it. Um, I love everything about it. It's it's a perfect blend of Muppet and movie, and they've tried it with different things, and it's just never quite clicked the way it does with Muppet's Christmas Carol. And it's got Michael Caine as, as Scrooge. Mm. Uh, it's got some really good human actors. The Muppets are really well cast. It's got uh, Kermit as Bob Cratchit, and uh, his little nephew is Tiny Tim, and that gives a tear in my eye every time. Um, oh, it's just, it's if, if you've never seen The Muppet's Christmas Carol, it is a delight. You, I need to take a break real quick and call some like mental health association to <laughs> come. No, no, it's healthy. It's not healthy it's, to watch a film healthy. 11 times in a month. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> it's a good one. It is. It's, it's, I'm telling you, I, it's wonderful. I know it's great, it's but it just sounds a little obsessive. It, it, no, it's not. Yeah. It's not. It's not. It is. All right. So what's your next one? Or your uh, last one? Krampus. Oh, the one It okay. came out a couple yeah. years ago. I um, didn't know you liked it that much. Yeah, with uh, Adam Scott. It's fun. I I was completely amused by this film. I love the practical practical uh, effects to the yeah. Krampus. I thought he looked great. I don't know. I just had a lot of fun with it. I, I haven't, I don't think I've watched it again since then, oh, but yeah. I think it's definitely, it's one of my favorite non- Christmas, Christmas movies. I, I really enjoy it. All right. So what are you? Adds a little horror to the season. Yeah. Yeah. Now, have you seen um? What was the Swedish flick? Like it was Christmas, and it was yeah. Um, what we is watched that one? it together. What was that? Um, now that you're asking me, nope, I can't remember. I can't remember. That one was fun. Yeah, I, I, like I enjoy that one. that one. So, what's on your honorable mentions? Um, Wizard People, Dear Reader. <sighs> so, anyone who doesn't know, totally forgot about that. About Wizard People, Dear Reader. Please go check it out. Yes, Google Wizard People, Dear Reader. Google this. It's so uh, there's a comedian. <laughs> he does comics or comics and cartoons. He has a cartoon series on Adult Swim. Um, his name's Brad Neely. 
he would do these live readings where he would do kind of like a book on tape narration to the first Harry Potter film. And you could line them up. You could yeah. play the audio recording while watching the visuals of the first Harry Potter yeah. movie. And it's like he's narrating the movie. Yeah. But he would do this live. Yeah. And then, like, yeah, I got a cease and desist, of course. Wow. But um, it's because Warner Brothers is short sighted and stupid. They have no heart. No. Or Should have been a commentary track on every Harry Potter yeah. one release. If they wanted to sell time. a million more copies, Seriously. they, man. Seriously. Um, so yeah, you can find this uh, MP3 copy of this, and it'll tell you when to sync it up to the first Harry Potter, and it's it is laugh out loud. It yeah, is like, the whole time for two it hours. Hurt or whatever. your ribs, funny. Yeah, just brilliantly like executed. You can tell he's probably drinking while he's doing it. It's slowly <laughs> getting drunker and drunker, or just getting more and more to this narration character. Um, but. Yes, that reminds me of Christmas so much, I think because of yeah. our friend rec recommending it to us on Christmas. Um, this goes back to, we already mentioned this, but um, Lord of the Rings movies, mm -hmm. because every year that one would come out and the Star Wars movies, because mm -hmm. the past few years, I can't remember when the pre prequels were coming out. They all came out in May, I think. Yeah. They were summer films or so, early summer. I guess just late spring. more of this new uh, round of films. Yeah. but always kind of remind me of Christmas. Um, one thing that Jenny and I tend to go through are all of the um, Bob's Burgers Christmas episodes. <laughs> and they um, conveniently on like Hulu now, they're just collecting them all into like a one like like tab under the Bob's Burgers page. Yeah. So you can just let them play. They're always really fun and musical. And uh, we're, I mean, Bob's Burgers is probably on at least hour a day at our house we love it and what were we gonna say something i was gonna say tangent question have yeah. you seen the trailer for the new dark christmas carol with guy pierce i have yeah yeah uh-huh <laughs> it is up on hulu yeah and i'm pretty sure i'm gonna watch that oh i'm sure i am too week. it looks ridiculous yeah but I, I don't care i think it's gonna blow my dad's mind because <laughs> my dad i i don't think i'm off by literally saying literally he has every copy. Like he hunts down every copy of A Christmas Carol. I, I do too. I love The Christmas Carol. It's yeah. my favorite. Like like he's uh, like looking it. on like eBay and stuff for these yeah. versions that came out in the 70s oh, that only funny. aired on television that you can't buy anymore. He's Yeah, he's obsessed with it. There's one. Uh, one of the really good ones is George C. Scott has a version in the, is that the 80s or the 90s? That's mm -hmm. a really dark and creepy version. Yeah. I've probably seen most of them. Scare me as a kid. Yeah. yeah. Um, I, and I enjoy it too. All right. So what's your other? Um, and then all of the uh, Office Christmas episodes. Ah, yeah. They're yeah. really fun too. Those are always really good. Mm -hmm. I forgot to put Charlie Brown Christmas on mine. Oh, yeah. A little 20-minute yeah. TV special. Watch that every Christmas. That um, The score for that is one of the best yeah. things ever to happen yeah. to humanity. We have it. It plays on our yeah. Echo in the house <clears throat> Christmas time when we have people over stuff. We just put the Charlie Brown Christmas score mm -hmm. on. Um, oh, and it's just, it's like warm cookies and milk. <laughs> it's just, you can feel it. It's wonderful. It's like watching the Muppets Christmas Carol 11 times in a row. Well, that sounds unhealthy. <laughs> that's, that's how it sounded to me when you said... cookies. <laughs> well, it's... It, it, 
Yeah, you can probably measure the stress levels of my December based on the number of. It's probably a directly proportional relationship. Yeah, yeah. The more stressful my December, the more the frequency of my Muppet Christmas Carol watches goes up. Mm. How does this like relate to other Christmases? Is this normal? This is too a many? more stressful more Christmas stress- okay. than others. Uh-huh. Uh huh. Like right after we finish recording this, I'm running to get wrapping paper because uh-huh. I gotta figure that out here at some <laughs> point. So even in the back of my mind, I'm like Charlie Brown Christmas wrapping paper, Muppets Christmas Carol wrapping paper, Star Wars Episode Nine wrapping paper. Just use a newspaper. Yeah, I guess. Yeah, trash bags. It's the 21st century. We don't have newspapers anymore. Mm. Use an iPad. It's a digital. <laughs> oh, I wanted to ask Here's you. Here's your fifty dollars <laughs> Christmas present. It's wrapped in iPads. <laughs> I wanted to ask you one thing about Star Wars. Um, did you notice the two LGBTQ um, moments? Oh, at the end. Yeah. Yeah. Did you notice the other one though? The other one. BB-8 and the other little robot. No. Sorry, it was a stupid joke. Oh, <laughs> sorry, I'm taking all this seriously. I'm like, that's a real thing? Uh, no, I, I took note of that, and um, I saw a little bit of grumbling online about it. And I, I, I remember thinking about it, and I'm just like, oh, those characters are gay because they kiss. But it wasn't actually like a character beat or a storyline or anything like that. And there's some people that are just like, yay, and some people that are like, that's not enough, and some people are like, gross, and... I don't know. Yeah, I I have no problem with it. Yeah. My was it was just a setup for a stupid joke. That's no. all. I, thought I we was were shipping into a very <laughs> no, I was shipping BB-8 in a little new robot. Dio? Yeah, that's <laughs> sad. Yeah, I just imagine them together now. Oh, see, Sorry. I've always thought of BB-8 as a girl. That might be a girl too. Dio? Yeah, it's voiced by J.J. Abrams. Doesn't matter. It matters. <laughs> no, doesn't. Oh, man. See, as soon as you go into Star Wars, I'm not ready for a joke. I'm just like, oh, we're talking something serious. I guess it, it's They're not... a same-sex uh, couple, and I'm fine with it. Okay. They belong together. Although I will say, uh, C-3PO was great in this movie. I thought they used him much like they did in the original trilogy, finally, where he was just kind of an annoying side character, and uh, I enjoyed that. Um, I, not that I particularly enjoy that character <laughs> ever. I have but, no problem um, with him. I like him. Okay. I, I thought they did well with him in this one. Sorry for that dumb joke. No, no, no. I just, I was not prepared <laughs> for a joke. So when you said that, I'm like, this is a thing. <laughs> I was just, you know, Star Wars is very literal to me. Oh. You know. Well, it's to me, they're. history. To me, that's the next movie is them on an adventure. It's those together. two droids. Yeah. It's, it's the graduate, but with BB-8 <laughs> deal. Yeah. They're real happy, but mm-hmm. then they get real sad in the car. Credits. <laughs> <laughs> Have you, uh, man, my brain is all over the place. Did you know no. that the reason The Graduate ends that way? You've seen The Graduate? Yeah. Okay. Sure. <laughs> sure. <laughs> it ends that way because the editor, or not the editor, uh, the the director forgot to say cut. And he went and he was having a conversation about something else. And so Dustin Hoffman and uh, What's-Her-Face um, just didn't know if they were supposed to stop. And so they get into this uncomfortable silence where their faces just kind of go flat. And the editor watching this runs and gets the director and he's just like, look at this. Mm-hmm. And that became the ending of the film. That's uh, great. I love that. Yeah. 
because it's such a perfect moment and it yeah. was completely by accident. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's great. I'm sure there's lots of moments in film like that. I know, just, just happy, happy little yeah. accidents. Yeah. 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 And just somebody smart enough to pick up on the significance of it and yeah. keeping it, not cutting yeah. it. Droids finding love with other droids, yeah. for instance. It just happens. It's for the kids. The droid community is very happy. <laughs> All right. Well, this has been a very merry episode of Cinebabble, episode nine, the rise of except for Clinton all the Ken. what? Except for all the complaining about Star Wars. <laughs> we weren't complaining about Star Wars. You were bringing me down. It's very different. Okay. <laughs> See, the rise of Skywalker had risen me up, and you just yep. Just that Christmas anchor bringing you back down. <laughs> Christmas anchor. Yeah. Like that's a thing. It's a saying. <laughs> Christmas anchor. It's just that uncle at Christmas who just. <laughs> it brings everybody. Yeah. Just yeah. the whole mood. Yeah. Brings up politics. Yeah. And yeah, mm-hmm. there's always one. Star Wars. All right. Well, uh, Clint, you have a good Christmas. You too, And uh, to the 12 of you who faithfully listen, mm-hmm. uh, we're aiming for 15 in January. And... Uh, <laughs> Tell your friends. (laughs) (laughs) Tell your friends. (laughs) Merry Christmas. Bye.